0: Don't you want me? A podcast series taking a light-hearted look at the most relatable, intriguing, and dysfunctional relationships in film. I'm Kat, and I'm Rich. Oh, Henry! Ah, damn it to hell! Did you hurt yourself? No, no. Kneeling on broken glass is my favourite pastime. It keeps me from slouching.
1: In this episode, we're walking down the aisle with 1971's *A New Leaf*, written and directed by Elaine May. Based on a short story by American writer Jack Ritchie, this movie was May's directorial debut and made her only the third woman ever in the Directors Guild of America. Though when studio executives made edits to her original darker 3 hour cut of the movie, she tried to have her name taken off the project and unsuccessfully sued Paramount when they decided to release it anyway, but we're kinda glad they did. Tonight we'll be looking at Mysterious Ferns with Henry played by Walter Mattau and Henrietta played by May herself. Are these two a match made in botanical journal? Let's discuss. The only difference between us, cat, is that I am a man and you are a woman and we don't have to let that interfere if we're reasonably careful.
0: <laughs> so another film that we've covered during this series is Spike Lee She's Gotta Have It. And I was thinking after having enjoyed this movie how the two of them are kind of similar because you have such a distinctive voice creating a movie, directing it, writing it, starring in it and it's a film about relationships that breaks all the rules,
1: isn't it? Well yeah, this is it's interesting to look at and because it's really quite dark yeah. even in the cut that we've seen and and as mentioned already there was an original three hour cut of the film that had subplots around I think people actually died, in, like in the in the story. In the story, um, not in the making of. <laughs> in the making of. <laughs> yeah. One of those cursed films, and yeah. um, and even then, you know, this felt like watching it now, what fifty odd years later, it still felt like it was pushing some boundaries. In that, you've got a, a guy looking to marry a woman with the intention of killing her. Yes. <laughs> you know, obviously to, to make money out of it, but. It's just such a dark premise for a film with so many funny comedy aspects of it, and yet ultimately, this is in when you look at it through modern eyes. I mean, this is horrible.
0: <laughs> you say, you say modern eyes because in the seventies, everyone was fine with killing off their spouses.
1: Well, no, but like when if you, look at it, I mean, you'd have to really be tactful of how you did it. Now they'd probably instantly be turned the other way perhaps i don't know but uh, yeah, it was <laughs> looking at it now you kind of think yeah they 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 trod that line pretty carefully <laughs> and, and pretty well
0: yeah. <laughs> no you're so right isn't it um funny because when we did my best friend's wedding we were talking about what a risk it was to make the protagonist someone that was so evil that would send an email to her ex-boyfriend's <laughs> boss. <gasps> Can't believe they did that or, you know, would try and try and break him and his current girlfriend up. Uh, yeah, and this is a whole other level, isn't it? Because <laughs> he's not only um, marrying her so that he can get himself out of a sticky financial situation. He's also plotting to kill her. And the film still asks us to be on his side, so... Yeah, it's quite ambitious. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it's kind of testament to Walter Matthau's charisma that he can pull it off while being likeable in that kind of easy, somewhat lazy comparison of, say, Dudley Moore in in Arthur. But the fact that it's written in such a way that you can be sympathetic to someone who wants to kill his newlywed wife, it's, it's skillfully done. And yes, the, yeah. the fact that especially elaine may has some fun in the role i guess if you know writing it for herself she's able to do that but
0: although i don't think she wrote it for herself i didn't i don't think she was intending to be in it originally but um but yeah she was pressed and she ended up in it but yeah carry on
1: yeah but yeah. i mean at least in that she got to to play the role so yeah. at least you know she, she can't exactly argue with the director or the writer's vision yes, <laughs> if it doesn't come out on the screen. But yeah. um, I mean, we, we've talked on about many other films that could be seen as, as black comedies and these elements of darkness that go through them. And, and you do have to be very careful with them. And sort of coming to this, the, the for, for me, the first time watching it, there, there's so many comedy moments in there. And they're not sort of slapstick particularly. There's, there's a few bits here and there but it just has this kind of charm to it because it would be quite straightforward if they got married he killed her they'd have to be a development there and you want to see how these two people actually get along after all the build-up
0: yes yes uh completely i think that it's sets itself up in a really interesting way in the sense that it kind of um the most conventionally romantic scene in the movie happens quite near the beginning where Henry's saying goodbye to his lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny, him him walking around, kind of, you know, trailing his fingers over restaurant signs with these <laughs> the, the sort of the male voice choir in the background you know and him breaking into tears while he's looking at his polo equipment and, and um so i mean in in moments like that it's it sends up a more conventional romantic film so well because um for henry the big love story of his life is um is with his wealth isn't it so
1: it's that's the thing you you sort of threaten to take away someone's status and that—that's kind of the biggest thing, the most damage you could do to someone. Yes. And, and you see in TV, films, stories where that is a big thing. He's like, oh, you know, we talked about like in, in trading places, the worst thing they do to Dan Aykroyd's character is they kind of remove his status, and he's no longer welcome in high society and all these executive clubs and things like that. He has to use public toilets and not the executive washroom.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And it's because. I guess that's the thing about... You know, this is a, a, a film as much about privilege as it is about a relationship where Henry is used to a certain way of life. He lives to excess. And then when it's all gone, he struggles. And, and that's what he misses. It's not the love affairs that he's had. It's not it's not even material things. He doesn't seem that overly fond of his car that gives yeah. him so much chip. But it is it is the club, the restaurant, the the fact that he's got a butler... Yes, Which, you know, I suppose if Batman ever lost his money, you know, he'd have to lose Alfred. That would be a crying shame.
0: It really would. Mm. <laughs> I love the butler. It's very funny.
1: Oh, yeah, it's great.
0: They show you two different versions of wealth, don't they, with uh, Henrietta and Henry because he because he has just lived to be Wealthy, and that's it. And he hasn't developed any skills whatsoever. It means that when something happens, which means that um, all of that is taken away from him, uh, he's left in a situation where he all he can think of is you know how to manipulate someone into safeguarding his lifestyle. Whereas uh, Henrietta is also incredibly rich, but because she has a passion and she has. Uh, been spending her time developing her skills it means actually that she's not in comparison to him dependent on this idea of just this floor beneath her being made of 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 this wealth because actually if all of her wealth was taken away from her she'd be okay because she's been developing these skills anyway despite the fact that this lifestyle was given to her so I quite like that usually in movies you're presented aren't you with um, someone who's born into wealth and they have certain characteristics and someone that wasn't born into wealth and you know you're meant to assume that they have had to kind of develop a a certain character that's kind of stereotypically associated with those two things and I like the way this actually even though both of them come at it from a similar perspective they're very different characters aren't they
1: with different values yeah because I mean that's Henry's one of his first thoughts about the prospect of losing his money. And I think he says to, to Harold, the butler, um, and he says, what will I do? And the butler says something like, what a gentleman of your breeding and temperament would do. And his first thought is suicide. Yeah. It's, it's not getting a job. It's not not sort of learning something. It's like, Oh, I might as well kill myself. Um, and, and that's his first port of call. Yes. And and when he said that um, Henrietta, she's a, a botanist, and, and when on their honeymoon, spoiler, we jump to later on, they, they do get married in the end, and she discovers a new species of plant, leaf, yeah. whatever, and she names it after him because if it wasn't for him she wouldn't have found it and she wouldn't have had the confidence to go on and do it. So she's coming at this from a whole the idea that perhaps your partner could make you a better version of yourself or yes. bring you out of your shell. And to and I think that's when he that kind of light bulb starts flickering in his head that she's not just a cash machine. Yeah, That she's actually sort of posing questions is that... You know, ultimately, that that's the case. Even by being brusque and unpleasant, and sort of the first thing he does is when he moves into the marital home, is start arranging the finances. Yes, hers is how she feels more confident in herself. So, it's um it's an interesting sea change to see how the two characters develop and how he learns from her, even though he refuses to learn anything other than sort of polo.
0: Yes, yes, and that and that that thing of her naming the fern after him and you can sort of see his utter confusion like well why would someone do something like this why would someone give away the credit that they could have claimed for themselves Mm. i'm trying to figure out why you're doing this what's the reason and when the reason just is you know meant to be just a, a loving gesture you know that kind of you can see that that just blows
1: his mind. It must be a confusing thing if you're you're used to things because of who you are, but something like that is like a, is a selfless act, yeah, in a way, you know. And I mean, she, she has a point in that if he hadn't married her, they wouldn't have gone on honeymoon, despite the fact that she nearly died. And you're almost sitting there watching it, going, Go on, kill her! You could kill her now, but you've got your back to her. She's hanging off the end of a cliff." <laughs> um with this little bit of rope you know accidents happen and all that but um
0: <laughs> i know that's such a funny scene <laughs>
1: you know and he's reading about how to poison her yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's an interesting prospect you know the the fact that even the way they come together when he's talking to the the mutual acquaintance about her and he finds out that she's rich and you know that kind of the, the eyes sparkle but it's like this is a project it's almost like a kind of my fair lady thing but just enough to get her married and dead
0: yes yes she's rich single and isolated the most isolated <laughs> woman i've ever met
1: yeah. <laughs> oh it's what every guy dreams of yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, and before that as well, you see, it reminded me of when we talked about I Love You, Man, actually, because you have a great montage, don't you, of the dates that he tries to go on, <laughs> not, to, <laughs> not to get himself a suitable wife. And um, that one of, um, yeah, the woman on the jet ski saying, I'm a human, I'm woman, and then tries to make a move on him and she's about to take her bra off. And he says, no, don't let them out. <laughs> Yeah, it's very funny. It's very funny. So, but you so. That's the thing. So, even though it's presented to you with, you know, his his objectives are meant to be just completely, completely cynical, and just like I need, to, I need to get this money, and I need to get it within this week. You, you still get that that montage, don't you? That's become actually, you know, such a kind of well-worn trope of romantic comedies of like all the dates that went wrong before the one mm. that went right. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so that's the funny thing about the film is that is that even though it's so dark and so cynical in some ways, it's still got these things about it that you think, oh yeah, that's actually, that's actually quite... Um, that's very familiar in a, in a romantic comedy context. And even the thing that we were talking about with her naming the fern after him. Uh, You and I have talked about many relationships now in episodes and very often we come to the point of a film when we talk about the romantic gesture, don't we? Mm. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we disagree on it or sometimes we agree, but um, they can vary, can't they, between something that we think is possibly... Uh, not so good or maybe just someone sort of just like showing off how rich they are to something that's genuinely thoughtful and um, requires a, a certain amount of sacrifice from the person giving it and there is something about her naming the fern after him where I thought actually that's so weird because it's such a sort of dark it's a very funny film but it's so dark but that's actually in terms of some of the romantic gestures we've seen that's a really good one that's uh, genuinely touching
1: Thing. especially when it's her profession yes and I guess as I've said many times I'm no scientist but it's um it, it's a weird position to be in where you're kind of looking for that lifetime discovery whether you're a, a scientist or a if, even if you're doing something like writing an album or a film and you're kind of say so ded- dedicated to x yeah you know that kind of thing but um you do that, and, and it would probably confuse a lot of people. The only problem is, it might now give people expectations that if they're married to a botanist and they find a new pff, flower, I don't know, they'll call it the rich. It will be cross indexed under G. Alcephala grahami for Graham.
0: For Graham? You mean that you've discovered a new species and have named it for Graham after doing all your work as Lowell? You fool! That's not the way to name a species. Can't you do anything right? I didn't
1: name it for me, Henry. I named it for you, alsophila Grahami, for Henry Graham.
0: Elsophila Grahammy for Henry Graham. Well, I are you sure that they'll know? I mean, that it's me. This is uh, a woman who has a passion. She has an occupation and she's skilled. But she's also allowed to be extremely clumsy and scatty and kind of lacking in grace and with a kind of naivety about her. And I think that's the thing that Elaine May does so well here is that the two of them are allowed to be kind of as as funny as each other in terms of Characterisation, do you know what I mean? Like you, you haven't just got sort of oh the the rich dolt meets the empowered career woman who's going to sort of you know teach him how to be a great and impressive person. You know, he he, you can see that he does help her too, can't you?
1: Yeah, I mean there there are a few sight gags in there, and some of them are almost as subtle as the kind of ones you might get in Airplane or something. They go out for a meal. And she stands up and she's got a lap full of crumbs (laughs) from all the bread she's eating. Which I
0: relate to so much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I think it it manages to get that fine line of, it's easy to make someone scatty, clumsy, and, and it become their entire personality. Yeah. And while fun is poked at her and the way that he describes her as feral... Um, yes. <laughs> um you know like this is a man who's supposedly very refined and and this woman is, is dropping food everywhere yeah and, and he's, spit, she has spinning. to be
0: vacuumed every time she eats <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and and yet it's done that there's a balance there and again we kind of this isn't a different podcast where we explore film editing or whatever. But, you know, yeah. you think that the original cut of this film was twice as long, almost. Yes. Um, and they've made... And the way it has been edited in that it does keep that element there without overdoing it. And you wonder if in the three-hour version that that might have been the case. But... And it was tighter for it. And I think, you know, we've, we've had films and we're hopefully in the future talking about films where either... One of the characters or one of the supporting cast is this slob, but it's kind of overladen and it's it becomes them, yeah, whereas she because she's got this this heart which also shows she's quite vulnerable in the way that she's exploited by her staff, yes, which admittedly Henry picks up on more for his gain than hers, yes, certainly initially anyway, but he see basically sees he sees it as waste and then ultimately starts seeing it as. She's being exploited and, and being taken taken advantage of more through chance than love.
0: No, I know. It's extraordinary that, isn't it? Because even though you know that he's doing it um, for his own selfish reasons, there's something about Walter Mata's sort of delivery or something where... That scene where he fires all the stuff you're really rooting for him and you're thinking yes yeah you know it's like it's very satisfying because <laughs> there is something about the fact that this woman is being exploited by all of them and they're doing it so sort of flagrantly that you know and she's so there is something sort of so endearing about her you kind of you feel you feel really bad that it's happening so even if someone's coming in to do it and they intend on killing her you're still kind of rooting for them it's so weird <laughs>
1: it would be a very weird turn if she did die in the end because it would be even if they did fall in love and, and everything you know, i mean to show how awful he is i mean even towards the end in the river in the canoe he leaves her to die <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> she's she can't swim she's hanging onto a log in a in a rapid yeah. and he just walks off and it's only because he finds the fern, with yeah. his name on it, that she really, he kind of goes, oh, maybe she's not that bad arsehole. Maybe- <laughs> no,
0: I, I quite want to tell her that I found this, so okay, I guess i
1: <laughs> Maybe I'll save her because I've lost my little medallion.
0: <laughs> no, I know, and there's these sort of very strange moments where just I, I absolutely love the thing with the Grecian nightgown, with her <laughs> having put it on incorrectly. Again, something I relate to a lot. And he helps her. Helps her kind of put it on in, in the right way. And she's saying oh, it's very uncomfortable. And then she says, Oh, I'm sorry to be so much trouble. And he says, It's okay. It's not for long. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, God. <laughs> Superman! swim! Swim! Look out for the
1: rocks! Oh, God. Well, funnily enough, <laughs> Funnily enough, I have mentioned the words Superman 2 for the, the canoe scene.
0: Oh, really? At
1: the, at, at the end, because in Superman 2, Lois is so adamant that Clark is Superman that she throws herself into some rapids in the expectation that he'll turn into Superman and swoop in and save her. Oh, wow. But, be- but because Clark doesn't at that point want her to think that he's Superman, he clumsily tries to. Chaser and falls into the river and ends up they looking like a pair of drowned rats at the yeah. end as he as as she somehow manages to live and it was very much like that, you know, she was literally holding on to a branch at one point. So I oh, if wow. there, must, there, must, there must have been some sort of credit pay to this film in there, but um,
0: must be. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, did did um, did Clark say to it, no, don't spit it onto me, spit it into the river. <laughs>
1: And that was that was later on afterwards.
0: But yeah, she she reminds me a bit of Lois like that that thing that we were saying about her being very um, having that admirable uh, work ethic and, and dedication to to you know kind of an occupation that she's extremely interested in, while also being allowed to have these aspects of her. Like with Lois Lane, she can't spell very well, can she?
1: Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and and I guess here, like she you know, she is obviously unaware of this murder plot, yeah. And yet, because she falls in love with Henry, she throws herself fully on board. They get married after what, a week. Yeah. Um She lets him move into the home, and and we haven't talked about her her lawyer Andy yet. And and I'm sure you'll you'll make a a particular reference to him. But it's um, <laughs> but, but I mean, essentially, she's as I mean, he's kind of like her. A best friend, but who fancies her, but also quite fancies exploiting her in some way as well. Yes, and um, he is very protective of her because essentially she's his cash cow. Yes, um, she's his only client, and if she's so rich, there's not really a lot of advice you need to give someone like that. But um, that some of the scenes that he's involved in, you know, and, and the fact that he tries to get her to sign a prenuptial and because she loves him so much, because he, because of course, Andy, the, the lawyer, finds out about this bet that he has or the loan with Henry's uncle to borrow the money in order to repay it back once he gets married. So mm-hmm. he finds out about this plot because the uncle tells him and yeah. sort of says to her, No, you need to sign a, a prenup so he can't get any of your money. And she twists it because she loves him so much as, Well, no, why can't he have my money? You know, we're marrying for love. Um, and despite presented with genuine, overwhelming evidence, she still sees or tries to see the good in Henry and and plays it as a long term thing. And I mean, Henry's just sitting there going, oh, my God, I can't believe she's buying it. But of course, Jack Weston was in The Thomas Crown Affair. Yes,
0: yes. Where
1: it involved a rich man falling in love with a woman who was trying to not kill him, but put him in prison. So we've got—it's <laughs> not yes. a million miles away. I mean, this—I actually wrote here was almost like a Henry was a bit of a cross between Thomas Crown and Arthur.
0: Yes, that's a good point. That's true.
1: You know, uh, we're talking another film about rich white men. It's—it's um, it's a satire. This podcast, isn't it?
0: Yes, yes. He's the opposite. That he doesn't do the—he doesn't do the manic laughed
1: laughter. No, it's Steve just the inside. Has. It's, yeah, it's more like this check out my evil plot <laughs> <laughs> um
0: do you think do you think there's something about her Is there something inherently lovable about someone that's so naive that um you know there's things like her getting the bus everywhere because her chauffeur's so forgetful <laughs> that she just resigns herself to having taken to the bus everywhere and um yeah these kind of characteristics in a person where they're so kind of detached from the very idea that someone might be sort of exploiting them that and i know that she's only in that position because she's so wealthy because you know it i mean it's a luxury in itself in some in some ways her being able to be kind of that that naive but yeah is is there something about someone being so so devoid of cynicism that makes them lovable
1: i think so especially if you're The opposite I mean it must be A breath of fresh air Yeah If you're In that kind of situation Where You know You don't have to Always fear the worst And Looking for the positives Or look on the bright side That kind of stuff And You don't always think The worst of people Yeah That must be That must be a strange sensation (laughs) (laughs) When, When they do settle down She's still pushing him to work Yes She Trying to get him because she finds out he's got a, a, was it a history degree, yeah. and he should become a professor. <laughs> How do you know you won't like teaching? Instinct. <laughs> but um, I, I, you know she's she's trying to see the good in pretty much everyone. So I guess yes, that's it's it's a nice thing to have, and I think it's handled very well. Quite easily could go a bit schlocky and a bit too twee but it's just about kept the right side of, say, believable and realistic.
0: It's not someone lacking in intelligence, though, is it? Because, as you say, there's uh-huh. something about the way she gently pushes him to... To kind of find to find what he's good at and to do his own thing. That's actually that actually shows you that sometimes someone can be very persuasive if they aren't too forceful with the person. If they if they're kind of um, encouraging, but in a in a very positive and loving way. Because there's something about the combination of her giving him the thing the credit for her discovery, while also at the same time asking him to to go and. Um, teach where you think oh actually that's a so strange because this this relationship in some ways is is so dark (laughs) but that's a but she she's sort of exhibiting really healthy relationship behaviors there isn't she she's like she's an example to us all in lots of ways
1: and that's the thing she she's trying to encourage him and and again like i mentioned before like he may well be becoming a better human being for being with her Yes. Which is a is a strength that it's not an obvious one because she's not a forceful personality, but yet she's still gently encouraging because it's not even I want him to be this, it's just it's something he may be good at, he may exactly. fight he, it may become a passion of his own. Yeah. And ultimately I guess she has seen from her background that you can have money, but if you don't have something of your own you just have money and it's kind of that thing about what do you do with your days i don't know spend money i do i go to the racket club and and the restaurant whereas she's actually out literally in the field doing things
0: yeah yeah
1: they're kind of both changing like she said she's becoming more confident and he's becoming more like a normal person with lots of money
0: yeah, exactly, and and also I think I think she shows you that because when when she's out and about doing her thing, she frees herself from all of these awful people that are kind of congregating in her big house, trying to take her money, and they're, they're just you know they they don't look like a healthy collection of people to have <laughs> have around you. They don't look at all like they you know that they care about her at all, do they?
1: They and, look like the um, staff of Caddyshack. Just shenanigans going on behind every door.
0: Completely, completely. The way the way the music is is used in this film is so funny. Like I, I I like the way every time Henry has an evil thought about how he's going to kill her, they have that kind of bleep bleep bloop bleep bleep, kind of robot (laughs) music. (laughs) So funny. Like, that's their way of signalling that something bad's going on.
1: One of the things I enjoyed, and they didn't do it very... I they did it a couple of times, I remember, and it's something that gets done to death these days in TV, especially. But when she talks about going on this field trip and she talks about the dangers and he has these kind of cutaway fantasies of her being mauled by a bear or a tribe... Yes. Um, <laughs> And it's only a couple of those. <laughs> it's just like, hmm, that could that'd be interesting. It starts yeah. a rubbing is like, Mr. Burns style. But it um, <laughs> starts being, oh, that would be, that'd be a turn-up if that happened. Yeah. And the fact that they actually did it, you know, it's, it's I suppose, it's easier to do if it's animated. But they actually filmed a five-second sequence of her being eaten by a bear. <laughs> yeah. You've
0: been with me for many years now, Harold. Huh? What would you do if I told you I had lost all my
1: money? I should leave immediately, sir,
0: upon giving the proper notice. I like the way you kind of really sense that the butler is is actually getting kind of worried that Henry's going to kill her, and you know, he's sort of like very very pleased to see her, and sort of says, "Oh, she seems very very good humoured and stuff." And he he also says to Henry, "What we dislike in other people is only a reflection of our own inadequacies." Which I think it's a good line.
1: Yeah, I mean, some some of the times you know, he he words slip out, and he goes, oh, "Forget I said that." Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, he's talking to someone he he trusts implicitly, and it's like, yeah, I, I went too far there.
0: The line is, um, "Never have I seen a woman in whom every social grace was so lacking; she doesn't deserve to live." <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! There is something about their their pairing. I mean, the the murder plotting aside. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about their pairing that I, I i do find um you know like quite a good argument for why uh for why it can be a good idea for for people to to pair up i mean if if you find someone that complements your character you can bring out the best in each other and um you sort of see the point of it <laughs>
1: One thing I will say, and I'll try and find a clip, <laughs> clip of this, is when, when they are talking about. I think they've just met Henry and Henrietta, and and Harold says to Henry, "I'm glad you found some a nice suitable young lady." And this is a reply I've got written down here. She's not suitable. She's primitive. She has no spirit, no wit, no conversation, and has to be vacuumed. And his reply: is, "Oh, she must be very wealthy." <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, do you think that it also sort of shows you that sometimes people can maybe have quite cynical reasons for getting into relationships, but then through a series of happy accidents can end up better people, even if their intention was something much more sort of selfish to begin with?
1: I I guess potentially, because you you kind of think of, you know, there's probably a whole genre of films about marriages of convenience, or relationships of convenience or whatever, and there's always that side of it in the end. but oh, they fell in love. How wonderful yeah um this, you know they only got together for i don't know a visa or to again it might be an inheritance or or something like that, like a Brewster's millions type scenario, but it's um when you think about it, it's still there's a lot of value in there because people want to hear these stories and if they're particularly well made or well told then then that's all the better yeah I don't really think it, it still needs to be done properly you know it's all well and good having the they have to come overcome adversity but you know things still need to be dealt with with a, a delicate hand
0: oh yeah I think I think that's I think that's certainly true I mean I think that this movie if it wasn't so genuinely funny would go awry quite quickly wouldn't it as as you mm-hmm. say there's there's something about the the fact that n- not only is he is he marrying her for cash in this kind of time pressured way but then he also decides that he's going to kill her as well you know just throwing that into the bargain just in case we didn't we didn't get enough of his um self-serving instincts to begin with and um yeah if they if they didn't if it didn't feel like a kind of satirical piece and sort of an everyone involved so genuinely kind of adept at making you laugh then it would feel yeah you 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 wouldn't you wouldn't want them to be together at the end would you
1: from one point of view the fact that they've not shown the fact that he killed i think it was the lawyer and someone else I right
0: think. okay yeah
1: um and the fact that he's then He's already killed, so the kind of shock, will he do it? I guess it would have made it a bit harder because you know well he's got it in him. Is yes, it, I see, It kind yes. of removes the willy won'ty. Yeah. Of the side of it, I don't know, but um yeah, yeah still, still a weird one.
0: <laughs> it's a weird one. <laughs> I mean, I can see that the producers must have kind of wanted it to come off as it as it does as more of a kind of screwball comedy with a kind of mm. dark edge rather than it. The, the thing of him being a murderer being the central focus and you know you can sort of see why why they thought that might have been a better a better idea and you know it does it does make the the payoff there's something about like the soft swell of music uh, with the sunset over the credits with the bird song, you know with <laughs> them kind of strolling off and um, her saying they're saying I'll always be able to depend on you and I. And him going, I'm afraid so. <laughs> and you're like, oh sweet, he's not gonna murder her. <laughs> How
1: touching. One yeah. thing I wanted to mention that we, we didn't t- talk about really the, the scene where they're in the on their honeymoon, and yeah. I mean, you already re- referenced the uh, the, ga- the gown, but the fact that I mean, bear in mind this is 1971 when the film was released, anyway. And, yeah. you know, we're at a time when sex is... Sex is big. But, you know, it's um there's this whole sexual revolution and, and everyone's a lot more open about this kind of stuff. And the fact that they are very much on honeymoon but with the separate beds, there's still that awkwardness around which one do you want to sleep in? You know, and there's not that element of some guys where he'd probably just go, well, we're married now, we can... <laughs> still do whatever, I'm still going to kill her. And, But th- th- there's still something very proper about their marriage and their relationship, even though at that point, that must have been a bit of a, a sea change from how a lot of culture was going at that time.
0: Yeah, you're right, and we, um, we did... Uh, as we've already talked about we did Thomas Crown Affair which I guess would have been about uh, three or four years before this and in that even though there aren't any sex scenes exactly there's there's certainly a very high um, level of sort of sexual charge to that movie isn't there and and oh. kind of ro- roaring fires and implication that people are having a lot of sex and um, there's something about yeah the comparison here of the of his of his kind of awkward, you know. Even says, "Okay, that could be your bed. This will be my bed." And when when we use the same bed, we'll use this bed. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> so kind of like this is our schedule. I'm going to organize it like I've organized your household finances. <laughs> kind of thing. that's so that's so funny. Yeah, actually, it's interesting. You should bring that up because I was thinking about how. The whole thing, I don't think, would come off as a comedy in the way that it does, if you'd got the sense that she was being sort of, um, kind of physically exploited by him before the kind of the, the final river rapids payoff. And and again, you know, it's like it shows how, how Elaine May was like just very, very kind of good at judging these things because even though even though you've got the the kind of like you know high octane sort of rather ridiculous kind of murder plot going on underneath i think that there's something which she kind of knows knows the sort of boundaries with which you should kind of put something in as as a comedy in order for you not to kind of feel it to be too real and for it to kind of stay in something that becomes kind of you know just much more kind of like you're in a kind of like a murder mystery pg woodhouse escapade Whereas I think if they had shown them having a kind of love scene or something before that final um, final payoff, it, it would it would make. But do you think it would have made it kind of feel a bit too real, or something?
1: Possibly, uh, and especially watching it now, where perhaps maybe it's just a rose-tinted glasses or something, where you think, oh, that's unlikely to happen now, where they'd go on honeymoon and be in two separate beds unless he booked a premiere in, and it was he booked a twin rather than a double and all that but <laughs> they're still not sponsoring us and um but I think yeah it kind of keeps an element of maybe innocence isn't the right word because he's plotting to kill her but th- this <laughs> there's still the element where it's like a transaction yes. Um and like yes, you said yeah. about scheduled you know it's kind of I have to go through the motions, but she's not exactly throwing herself at him, so it doesn't give him that quandary of do I, don't I. It's just, well, we'll keep this very formal, and he's almost like he's worried it'll muddy the waters if they end up being physical together. Then he's like, well, not that it's obvious, but there might be then something in the back of his mind of, God, is it going to make it more difficult to offer?
0: Yeah, and you do have that thing where on that date that we've already talked about earlier on the film where the woman's about to take her bra off and he tells her not to and panics and runs away that you get the feeling from henry that he's not that's just it's it's not really something that he finds very easy to um yeah he's he's not some kind of playboy trying to trying to utilize his um lifestyle and wealth in order to get into people's pants is he it's,
1: well yeah because yeah, da- dating seems like an inconvenience yes and 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 the marriage is a necessary evil and <laughs> it says but you know like I mean he's got a, a woman who you know is a little bit carry on the way that she's got this bikini busting out and everything and yet um, yeah you know don't let them out and <laughs> you know it's almost like the idea of it because he's such a Let's say a bachelor but he's not even that because he's not out every night with a different woman on his arm he's just he enjoys being rich that's his love um and it's not about a partner a romantic partner and he just kind of happens to end up getting what he doesn't want in the end so yeah
0: um, well there could be something it being interesting sort of being said there even about kind of like a, a, a A lifestyle that's so incredibly sort of self-serving and everything's made so easy for you that maybe you're you're not even kind of um yeah you're not kind of necessarily put in touch with your kind of natural appetites
1: it's a bit like when in about a boy he's got so much money he doesn't know what to do with yes um and then i mean conversely when he tries to start a relationship there's a lie involved in that he has a child that doesn 't exist, but also when he does he suddenly realizes he doesn't have anything about him other than money he doesn't have he 's not a botanist he doesn't have a passion or a profession or or a particular hobby he 's just his profession is being pretty well off actually
0: Terrible. that's so right it is it is actually quite like i mean obviously about a boy is less less dark there are no murder subplots but it's actually quite similar in lots of ways the kind mm. of the the mix of cynicism with that subtle sort of self-discovery and, and people just ne- needing, needing to find reasons um, to feel useful in life in whatever way that is, is actually quite important, isn't it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think we've all learned something here today.
0: I think we have. Also, um, to dumb it down a bit, do you think there's something significant about when they're off on the field trip and she is um, they're kind of making dinner and she says, I've spilt honey on myself. And he says, you're all sticky. And he wipes the honey off her and he says, I'll make dinner from now on. And you (laughs) think, is he trying to stop her from getting eaten by a bear?
1: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) He's fantasised about it and yet he's removing the temptation. I saw the tagline for this film and I think it was something like, do you take this woman? Yes, for everything she's got. I kind of thought that's a a nice return of the vow.
0: Yes, <laughs> I, sp- I suppose it's a not, It's the whole thing is a nice reversal on this idea of um, women being gold diggers, isn't it? Mm. And I and yeah. I and that and that trope would have been more common then when this film was made than it is now. Although still, it still still goes around now, uh, but yep. um but in that way there is something even though even though Elaine May plays this character so well who is a bit of a klutz there's something sort of about the fact that she kind of has in the end the upper hand and has this passion and is sort of encouraging him to to follow his that does a bit of a gender reversal doesn't
1: it yeah i mean if they made it now one of them would be an influencer of some sort and they have sort yes. of losing their money they've lost all their followers on TikTok <laughs> oh, sounded so old there We've all got something we can't afford to lose His, his case is money
0: Exactly uh, I mean mm. it's a Even though it's such a dark comedy it, it really does make me feel kind of hopeful About how relationships can change us I don't know what you think
1: Yeah I mean it's, it's nice that in the space of five minutes He can go from murder to Reluctant love yeah oh, that's the title of my new album it's um <laughs> I, it is I think, I think the fact that how true that is I don't know but if you're that cynical and that grumpy and that stuck in your ways of wh- whether it's money or whatever and you're faced with the opposite it's, you know if it's presented in the right way it can, can rub off on you and and you can see the light to some regard of uh, people aren't all that bad and sometimes you just need to marry them rather than kill them.
0: Oh, that's such a lovely sentiment. Well, as we struggle into our Grecian gowns and try to avoid the river rapids ahead, we leave you with the question, are you free of crumbs? I've been Kat.
1: I've been Rich. And this has been Don't You Want Me?